This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello, welcome to AgriFutures On Air. I'm Jane Cudahy. The distinctive M4s are making a comeback in small to medium wineries in Australia. With their pointed bottoms and vase-like shapes, the clay-based vessels are traditionally associated with the ancient Mediterranean world to store and transport wine, grapes, olives and olive oil, grain, fish and other goods. But the sixth-generation business Gilbert Family Wines at Appletree Flat near Mudgee in New South Wales uses them regularly as they can hold wine or juice through all stages of fermentation. One of their employees, Samantha Sutherland, has used an AgriFutures Rural Women's Acceleration Grant to research the potential for manufacturing the clay-style pots locally instead of continually facing the expense of importing them. As Samantha told our journalist Judy Kennedy, the research has inspired her in rethinking her own wine label and wrapping up her Bachelor of Wine Science degree. I first encountered Empora uh, at Gilbert Family Wines, where I'm currently in the winemaking team. The Gilbert family started importing from Italy uh, the couple of these vessels, and I just got to talking with the winemaker Will about them and why he liked them and where he thinks they will fit in the winery. These are sort of clay vessels, almost like a giant vase shape aren't they that you see a lot in middle eastern fairy tales in the old fairy tales really aladdin and things like that absolutely it, it, they are ultimately clay pots clay vessels uh jugs there's numerous names for them uh, i mean we look at the italian style which is amphora or amphore georgian style which is quivery and then over in spain it's tinges so there's lots of history there how useful are they in modern day winemaking? Because I understand that Amphora are making a comeback or having a bit of a resurgence. You mentioned Gilbert Family Wines bringing them in from Italy. Where are we at with the use of them? Absolutely. Definitely making a bit of a resurgence as I believe the wine movement is is starting to really gravitate back towards this sort of minimal intervention or you know letting the grapes speak for themselves terroir and a sense of place so I think Amphora are perfect for that because we're very familiar um, people that know something a little bit about wine or a lot we all are familiar with things like oak and oak barrels or traditional stainless steel tanks um, and they're the two you know main main vessels that we've used in, in, in current years for winemaking. However, these uh, clay pots give us uh, an opportunity to let the wines or the grapes during ferment be really expressive, let them be primarily fruit-driven with primary aromas rather than taking on any oaky nuances or being quite neutral, neutrally affected as we see in stainless steel. So basically, in summary, I would say Infora lets that particular parcel of juice or wine be very expressive to where it came from and what it's going to be. And they come in different capacities, so that would suit everyone from small winemaker to large winemaker? Yeah, I would say from small to medium um, size wine wineries or winemakers would enjoy the vessels. I've been working with vessels at 900,000 litres, uh, but my endeavours with this project would probably see me looking and exploring smaller vessels. So the smaller vessels would be what, three to 400 litres? Yeah, three to 400 litres, but even smaller if we think about 
trying to design these these vessels from a local level, an Australian level. So it, it will take a little bit of time to get it right. So we can start small, 30, 50, maybe 100 litres and do some trialling, which is, which is really exciting. Let's go back a little bit for your history because the Rural Women's Acceleration Grant that you were a recipient of hasn't been the only award you've received in the last couple of years because you also were a 2021 scholar at the Royal Easter Show for the Royal Agricultural Society Wine Show. That must have been great fun. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just always over the moon to even um, get a chance to chat with some of these committees and communities and to have received uh, the wine study recipient a scholarship from the Royal Ag Society in 21 was amazing. I had just taken a year off winemaking because of personal reasons and things like bushfires were overtaking Australia, which is terrible. So I was back into the game and um, with that scholarship behind me and had a chance to go and do some stewarding at the postponed 21 uh, Sydney Royal Wine Show, which was just an excellent opportunity to, to speak with other like-minded individuals and, and have that experience. Yeah, I guess um, both of these awards, you know, Royal Agricultural Society Sydney Wine Show, as well as the Rural Women's Acceleration Grant, these are building your networks so much in the industry and also giving you inspirational ideas. So can you take us through first, what, what is the premise of your project that was funded by the Acceleration Grant looking into the use of amphoras? Perfect. So the vision, I suppose, um, behind my grant with AgriFutures was to have a wine pottery, amphora, or you know, clay pots used for winemaking, whichever terminology you understand, um, have them produced locally on a local level and in Australia um, with our our soils, our clay, and our our clay workers and our ceramicists, because we have all that talent and we have all the the materials. Uh, we have a passion, and we're all we're all looking for a way that we can make our wine stand out and really shine. So I just thought it all just tied together and it would, wouldn't be an easy an easy project, but I think with being able to speak with like-minded people and, for example, um, the people I've spoken to off the back of being a recipient of AgriFutures, it's all just been very positive. Because they're quite expensive to import, aren't they? Yeah, the actual vessels themselves, I'm starting to learn that they are, you know, they are quite reasonable considering the level of skill that is required and things like a, a, a kiln that's suitable to fire these these clay pots. Um, but, yeah, as, as we know, the state of the world um, with the impact of uh, costs and inflation, um, yeah, the importing costs and taxes does seem a little outrageous and not very achievable for those smaller producers to really have a chance to experience using these these vessels um, and also the environment. We're looking at, you know, bringing, bringing these vessels from the other side of the world and that's not very environmentally, environmentally friendly either. Part of your acceleration grant was a trip and not just an ordinary trip but a trip to Georgia next to Ukraine to see how people used the quivery are they called yeah, in Georgia? Yeah, absolutely. Quevery is uh, their terminology for their ancient clay pots. Uh, that was incredible. That was a the trip to Georgia was a once in a lifetime thing. Um, I would love to go back for sure, but we'll just have to see when I can do that. Um, but basically, I was able to go have an on ground experience and work 
do a short internship with a winery and a part of that got to see how traditionally Georgian winemakers would use the vessels, how to care for them, um, what sort of results that they were getting in the wines and then also meet one of their local quavery makers to see the ancient art in all stages. And do they use amphora that is lined or just in its natural ceramic state? Because I believe you do line them in some materials. Absolutely. So they do seem to have a bit of a mix. So um, unlined, when we talk about an unlined clay pot, it's in its natural state. So the the clay is uh, slowly worked together to create the right sort of thickness and porosity and fired in a kiln in very high temperature. Um, And then if it is not lined, it's in its natural state. So it is extremely porous to the outside world. So porous for the wine that's kept in the in them to be breathing with the outside world and also susceptible to things like growth and microbial presence. So they are a little bit more tricky to just sort of use. Um, you do have to keep them really clean and keep all the hygiene up. Um, but then also from an oxygen point of view, they are a vessel that you wouldn't want to store the wine in there for a very, very long time because it's going to be mm. highly exposed to, to oxygen. However, the lined um, vessels would be lined with something like beeswax uh, and then sort of melted on at a very high temperature with a sort of a blowtorch and that could last for several seasons or replaced as necessary. Much easier to clean limits the amount of porosity so it's so the wine is sort of safe and stable in that environment for a longer period or in the the clay vessels I've been seeing sort of from abroad in Australia some of them have an epoxy so it's more like um I don't know if synthetic is the right word but it's uh, more of a a yeah and um it's sort of something that does need to be replaced like quite regularly to to keep it Mm -hmm. to keep it up so there are are a couple of it sketch me a picture of the first place you went to in Georgia. Tell me what it looked like geographically and who you were working with and what sort of vineyard they were running. When I first arrived in Georgia, it was, yeah, it was so, it just looked like any other European sort of smaller, maybe Eastern European country there were it's lined by the Caskis Mountains so there it's uh beautifully lined with these mountain ranges that take take you all the way to to Russia as well the highways were well constructed it was quite busy in that sense uh I was doing my internship with a winery called Ori Marani so uh Bastian the winemaker stemming from Champagne in France little love story here meets his meets his dream girl uh Nino and she is Georgian so they have a beautiful uh small winery in business in Igoweti so about 40 minutes from Tbilisi Tbilisi being one of the capitals of, of Georgia um so we took a little drive to to their winery and their winery is within a little village they are sort of negotiants at this stage whilst they get their own vineyard up and running so they are looking negotiants being a sort of lease arrangement yeah so they're sort of purchasing grapes from other vineyards but those vineyards Mm -hmm. are all look all over Georgia so that itself was an incredible experience to be able to see visit vineyards and harvest from vineyards either from the far eastern side of of Georgia which would be more the um Cahetian style wines or the drier style vines and and hot climate growing uh vineyards over to the western side, which was something like Imereti, which was more cool climate, I think lots of green grass, lots of farmlands and much, much cooler temperatures. So an incredible, vast experience of seeing Georgia along with uh, Ori Marani. 
And what sort of wines were Nino and Bastiani making from those that whole variety of grapes? So much you, that you recognised. Absolutely. Well, the the varieties, no. I mean, the varieties they're very, very. Um, they're not as well known. There's only a couple that I've seen in Australia before. Things like Saparavi, um, the beautiful red fleshed grape. So uh, Bastian and Nino were making a lot of sparkling wines with Bastian's history from Champagne. He was a bit of a master of the traditional method so and Petiant Naturel, so Petnat. So there was some wines being made in, in sparkling style and then lovely light juicy Saparavi. Um, so, again, the red flesh grape, which has traditionally been a very, very thick and boisterous red, but um, he was definitely making it in the modern style where it was a little bit more softer and approachable. But, yeah, so a mixture of white and red and including sparkling. How much then did you think of what was being done in Georgia could you implement here in Australia using the Amphora? I think from my trip to Georgia, I saw that the quavery was still very, very important with their winemaking process. However, maybe a little bit more versatility with not putting sort of all of the wine in in those vessels having a bit of a mixture so we get the you know we get a good balance uh because you know putting it all in those vessels mean it could be um a little bit too too rich and maybe not as versatile so I definitely think it it gave me a lot of confidence that I can pursue making or you know collaborating with with someone to make vessels in Australia that are smaller in size. They don't need to be these big monstrous vessels. Um, they definitely can be smaller and used as a blending portion, not just primarily the sole storage vessel of a wine. Because how do they move them around, the wine? In Georgia, the quaver is traditionally buried. So when we talk about burying them, um, mostly because of temperature control. So when we think about places in the world that probably don't have the same access to winery facilities as we may do in Australia. So by burying the quivery, it's it's the wine and the fermentation of grapes is happening at a cooler temperature. So it's actually sort of a natural temperature control. And that's why it has historically also been so beneficial to use these vessels. Um, you can have above ground, so um, mostly just either sort of supported on a little frame um, to keep them upright because the quivery and four actually have a pointed bottom, whereas the, yes, that's what yeah, I was thinking. So not not so easy to, to use, but um, buried or in a frame. Um, and then I know sort of the Italian style M four A is more sort of has a thicker bottom, so they kind of stand up on their own, I believe. Um, but I think my endeavours would like to see the exploration of clay pots in a small style and make them very versatile and easy to use in an Australian winery when our wineries are a little bit more industrial, shall we say, than the smaller smaller facility that I was um, had the pleasure of visiting in Georgia. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that we have um, the technology to store those amphora at controlled temperatures would you imagine that's the way you do it yeah absolutely control like in a cool yeah controlled temperature but also something like a pointed bottom clay pot in an you know in a working winery it, you know with forklifts and things happening on, on, on a slightly larger scale probably isn't the safest option so it's definitely made me think seeing them in in practice is um how i would go about design and how i'd make them be uh, better fit for our working mm. wineries but that's just some manufacturing thoughts but that was all because I had the opportunity to to go and see 
how other winemakers are using these vessels. And in terms of uh, any local ceramicists, have you been speaking or liaising with anybody to talk about what's involved in manufacturing amphora and whether it could be done with those modifications you're talking about? I have had uh, several conversations. So I think after this trip and sort of getting my head around the the product and visiting the Quavery maker who's been doing this a very long time, definitely think it's possible. Um, I have some contacts that I've been talking to throughout the year. Um, we may look to start doing a little bit of building there. And I would also like to reach out to a few contacts that have come across sort of my desk, shall I say, that uh, have already been making these vessels for, for producers in Australia, but I believe just on a very small scale. So just having some conversations with them to see, like, would they like to expand, you know, their reach or would they like to collaborate or can I be some form of help? Because at the end of the day, it's it doesn't have to be, the purpose of my vision was just to support local and support our Australian skill set and, as I said, allow the smaller producers a chance to use these vessels as well, not just the, the you know the people that are in a position to sort of put some more money towards alternative vessels, which is also really exciting because it just means the Australian wine market is is growing and doing great things. Sam, the AgriFutures Rural Women's Acceleration Grant is for 12 months, but I feel like you um, need about two or three years to um, get all these things done because you're making fantastic progress. How would you describe your experience as a recipient so far? Are there any elements that you think you'd like tweaked and and is there a way that it sets you on a, on a track for the next few years? Absolutely. I think you've really summarised it well there. I based on our recent discussions as a, with the AgriFutures team and also the other recipients, we all sort of had a bit of a chat about our timelines and I think perhaps some of us are going, okay, yeah, we need that ne- another year to sort of get the next step going and, and that was okay and I think it was a, a really nice learning experience for both AgriFutures and and the recipients to uh, being the first year that this beautiful award was available. So I believe the next year is about having some more educated conversations with people that are skilled in their areas and some other like-minded people now that I feel like I've I've got some nice research behind me and see if we can start making or as I mentioned before collaborate with with someone who is already in the industry and we can get it more available. Well particularly because I was thinking as a recipient and I guess this applies to most of the women who were given the grants you're all working already. You're already doing, I think you're finishing off, aren't you, a Bachelor of Wine at Charles Sturt University in Wagga? Absolutely. That is also absolutely correct. Everyone is working full time or they've, you know, they've also got um, two children and, and small businesses. And yeah, I, I work full time as in the winemaking team at Gilmot Family Wines. I'm launching my own wine label this year, opening a small pop-up wine bar for a short time this year and trying to yeah eventually finish my Bachelor of Wine Science at CSU. So it 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 does take a little time to get things off the ground, but I definitely am so appreciative to be a recipient. It's been nothing but a great experience with AgriFutures and the other recipients. Well, it certainly sounds like it, and I'm really grateful that you could share your experiences with this. But I also had one little fact that I found when I was doing a bit of research before I spoke to you, that there's an actual Amphora Day in Cuba on the 11th of November each year. So maybe you could um, extend that 
uh, Grant, and see if you could slip over to Cuba for a visit. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I didn't know about that. And look, I'll have to have to look it up. No, that would be fantastic. Uh, it's amazing that, that all over the world, you know, wine is is still something that's so popular all over, and these practices and these vessels. It's all just really positive and exciting. That um, also people are willing to share share what they've learnt and where they'd like to see things go. So, yeah, I'm not claiming I definitely don't know everything about them yet. I just think it's been a really positive conversation and um, I think our wines in Australia are only going to be um, improved and, and more exciting from letting our, our fruit and all our harbour in the vineyard really shine by either fermentation or ageing in these vessels. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Sam. Thank you so much, Judy. That was Samantha Sutherland, one of the recipients of the AgriFutures Rural Women's Acceleration Grant, speaking there with Judy Kennedy. The next round of Acceleration Grant recipients will be announced by January 2023, so I'm personally looking forward to hearing some more of the incredibly innovative work being done in our emerging Australian agricultural industries. Speak to you soon. I'm Jane Cudahy. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. For full access to a huge backlog of stories on Australia's agricultural trends and innovations, research outcomes, inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries, please subscribe to AgriFutures On Air on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find more information at our website, agrifutures.com. Dot AU.